Hey, 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 welcome to another version of the Pastor Duke Podcast. I have a blessing for you today. I'm in Sarasota, Florida, but I come to a great church here called the Tabernacle. Met up with some people right after we uh, uh, arrived. They, they kind of took us in under their wings, and they are gifted. You know, these two are one. Uh, it's a couple given to counseling here through their local church. Uh, so welcome to our program, uh, Denny and Debbie. D Maria. Uh, Good morning. <laughs> uh, Good morning. So we'll jump right into it. We just did a little uh, uh, f- about seven minute uh, problem where I forgot to turn on the sound, but we're back. Uh, not many wise, not many noble are called. And I just proved that to you folks, but uh, we're being recorded now. We're 57 seconds in, but uh, please introduce yourself, uh, where you're from, coming to Christ. Deb's going to go first. Oh. Ladies first, always, right? <laughs> I'm Debbie DiMaria, and I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and at 10, we moved up to New Jersey, uh, South Jersey, Philadelphia area, and I was saved at a church camp, and parents, if there's any a good investment, please help your children go to church camp. I was saved and baptized during the week, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Now, even though I was saved at the age of 12 years old, I wasn't fully walking with the Lord, and it wasn't until I was 21 that the Lord finally got hold and said, that's enough, now you're coming with me. And uh, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and I just want to say that when your children are baptized and and accept Christ at an early age, he never leaves, even though the behaviors may not show that they're walking with the Lord. He never takes his hand off of you, and I'm living proof of that. And I'm eternally grateful that he never left me nor forsook me. So the Lord is my shepherd, for sure. So when I was about... I had an early calling in my life for mercy, compassion, and healing, and just those types of help gifts. And it culminated in me becoming a registered nurse, which through God's help, I was able to to go through school. And finally, a slow progression, though it was, um, finally able to um, get a master's. I'm a board-certified nurse practitioner, boarded in adult and geriatric medicine. And uh, my uh, doctorate was originally going to be in nursing. I'm a Rutgers grad. I'm proud kind of proud to say, I don't like what the school's become, but I'm kind of proud to say that at least I'm a Rutgers grad. And um, the Lord spoke to me very distinctly and said, I don't want this track for you. And he led me to go to Trinity, which is in Indiana, and I'm pursuing my doctorate, my PhD in um, Christian counseling. I'm in my dissertation phase, so those who are out there that are prayer warriors, please pray that I can finish my (laughs) dissertation. It's the longest dissertation time I've ever taken, believe me, to complete something. But with God's, (laughs) and my husband says amen to that. Um, But slowly but steadily. So, Anyway, we ended up here in Florida after living in New Jersey, and you know, we've been married for 30-some years now, 
and the Lord helped us and directed us to move down to Florida and established me here. I did not know the plans, but he did, and he allowed me to enter into my own medical practice as a nurse practitioner in Florida. We do have autonomy, so I'm able to um, practice on my own. And he has blessed Denny and I with that. And if it wasn't for my husband's business knowledge, I wouldn't be able to have taken on the practice as we did. Well, something that really has moved me, uh, you know, we see it's like the second page of the scriptures, these two shall be one. And my wife and I, Joanne, when we met you, we, we sensed that about you guys right away. And, you know, we're not, none of us are uh, <laughs> as young as we used to be. We're, we all qualify as seniors, and yet you guys are up to your neck in serving the Lord. Denny's a drummer here in a, in a contemporary, not a totally rocking out, but it's a great worship band. He's a drummer. I show up on Wednesday nights. He's got on his little outfit serving the children's ministry. They're deacons uh, here in the church praying with people. And uh, you've heard a little bit about Debbie's professional background, but you know, one thing is, is there's a professional side and there's a practical side. Then I've seen pictures of you, man, uh, a while back. You were a big, heavy Italian guy. <laughs> big time. Yeah. The Bible, Bible talks about glorifying God in our body, our soul, and our spirit. And they're all connected whole, biblically, holistically. And you guys command respect. You're a good-looking couple. You dress nice, which as an old hippie, that's hard for me to accept. But I my wife. <laughs> I hear you there. So introduce yourself, uh, Denny, your professional background, business uh, you came to Florida. You really got the physical side under control, and it really motivates me because I got some issues that I need your counsel on too. A little. Well, thank you, Pastor. Um, uh, we came here uh, about 13 years ago, but probably uh, 17 years ago was a real turning point in my life. You know, when your doctor becomes your financial guy, when you walk into his office, he says. Maybe it's time to th you to think about retirement. And I look at him and say, gee, Doc, I didn't know you were a financial guy. He says, I'm really not, but the way you're going, you're not going to be around too much longer. So you might as well do what you want to do because you've certainly worked hard. You leave the office and say to yourself, what is going on? What have I put myself into? So... I started, this was back, like I say, 17 years. Believe it or not, I'm going to be 77 years old. I don't feel 77 years old. And you don't look it. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I'm not going not gonna to act like I'm 77 years old. But I started taking my health seriously. And uh, from the health-wise, um, I really believe it's the partnering of the Holy Spirit that wants us, all us, all of us, men and women, to be as much as you can be for him. And when you take yourself out of it, it becomes a whole different situation. There's a guy out today called James Clear. He's called, and the book he wrote is called The Atomic Habits. And in that, he talks about doing something just 1% better every day. Just 1% better. So... Even before that book came out, which was only, I guess, about five or six years ago, that's exactly how I started getting myself back into shape. I lost about 100 pounds 17 years ago, and I've never gained it back because I realized that 
it was going to be very deleterious to my health. And I wanted to, to be as much as I could be for the Lord. You know, I truly believe this. You know, I can't control when I'm going to die. I just don't want to be the cause of it. Ooh. <laughs> so Say that again. <laughs> I don't want to. I, whenever I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But I don't want to be the personal oh. cause of it. Oh, that's good. Because we are responsible for our bodies. Mm-hmm. But uh, we came here, and uh, very honestly, this is a pretty easy place uh, to be active. I mean, I am active. I walk every day, uh, try to exercise. Uh, I'm involved in uh, a couple of businesses here, uh, of which uh, Deb's a practice I, I'm involved with. And also, we started a hearing company here in 2017, and it's been very successful. But my, my main goal is to keep active and to be as much as I could be with doing th- for my church and for my our people here. One of our mottos is, if the train can't pull out of the station, how are we going to go to serve? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, uh, our, our bodies are God's temple. And exactly. if, if we don't take that as serious, especially when we're younger, because we feel like we can get away with stuff. And I know I came to Christ as a young man and, and sex, drugs, and rock and roll man and alcohol and drugs and and, you know, smoking cigarettes with no filters and just, just an idiot, just an idiot. And immediately, you know, the Holy Spirit just took that away and gave me a clean lifestyle. But then things start to change as you get older, you know, and we begin to learn about uh, sugar and carbs. And now I've been suffering type 2 diabetes for about 12 years. Kind of got it under control, lost 20 pounds. And I'm not insulin dependent, but I'm learning some new things to where I'd never want to be insulin dependent, but it takes discipline. And uh, so jump well, in here. Well, the body is very resilient. God made us wonderfully, as the Bible says. And w- in regards to smoking, both Denny and I are bad. We, we did smoke. But the good news is that after seven years of smoking cessation, your body's li- the lining of your lungs if there's really no damage, will re, re, um, rejuvenate, repair its, yeah. rejuvenate and repair itself. So God allows U-turns. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, that's mercy. <laughs> that's, that's God's mercy because he could be saying, look what you did to my lungs. So I like that phrase, U-turns. Yep. And, you know, specifically we're talking about bodily discipline now, dietary and and can caring for our human body so we can be all we, we can be and should be for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're so physically, you know, the, the physical determines the mental and the mental and the spiritual. It all goes together. And I see so much in the evangelical circles that I run in that uh, people give a lot of attention to the spirit and, and yet uh, almost no attention to the body. And I've seen pastor friends of mine that, that weighed over 300 pounds and they died young and I don't believe that glorifies God. They were great preachers. I loved them. They inspired me in so many ways. But I, I watched what were happening with them, and it, it so saddens me. And then I hear the story of what happened to you, uh, Danny, and it so inspires me. And I know that uh, this will be a challenge to our listeners. Well, you know, you're never too late. That's what I want to tell people. Yes, very much so. We are in a marvelous, sometimes marvelous, wonderful age of information 
there's a lot of good information that's happening about diet, about longevity, and what causes us illnesses. And, you know, it's not as sophisticated as some people think it really is, dieting and watching yourself. For example, we've been, for the last number of years, on no sugar, no flour, and three meals a day. And you know what? It's pretty hard to keep weight on when you're doing that, even though you're eating a whole boatload of food. But if you're active, your body responds to it, and you feel a lot better. The thing about it is is that a lot of people, particularly people that are my age, have given up. They're saying, look, I can't change. This is what I want. It's very easy when you have decided to allow the Lord to go back to the original settings that were in your brain to say, this is as much as I want to eat, and this is how I'll do it. And you know what? Just by eliminating those two areas, you will find it's pretty easy to do. So I want to encourage you to give it a shot. I think Denny hit the nail on the head because we say to God, God, this is what I want, my tastes, what I desire. You know, let's go back to the Garden of Eden and and the original sin. Eve saw the apple. It was forbidden. Well, we call it an apple. We really don't know uh, biblically which fruit it was. It could have been a pomegranate. We don't know. But the point of the matter is, if you read that passage, it says it was pleasant to the eye. Mm -hmm. And the eye said, that looks good to eat. Well, so does an ice cream cone look good. So does a piece of pie look good. But in the end, it was death. So we have to remember that because that's what it came in through the eye. Our brain registered it as something pleasant to eat, but in the end, it caused the demise of the human race at that point. There you go, dragging the Bible into this conversation. I had a hunch you were going to do that. (laughs) But everything comes back to really spiritual disciplines. If we don't have spiritual uh, disciplines, and of course the Holy Spirit will empower us. He's he's the power giver. Uh, and um, I, I'm just so inspired by not only your story, but your testimony. These folks are living it. And uh, you're in a church now. You are you have an office here. You're a professional counselor. And this is a huge burden for uh, every local church pastor. I was, you know, I have my training and been to seminary, and I understand homiletics and hermeneutics and apologetics, you know, church history and, the, you know, Christology and pneumatology and eschatology. But you know what? I have almost no training, uh, a lot of in, in the trenches. But, uh, man, we're running across some really crazy stuff today in, in our world. And as a pastor, I'm, I'm taxed with time. And then I have people with really serious needs, uh, uh, young people uh, with, uh, uh, we never have dreamed it 25 years ago, young people with uh, uh, sexual disorientation and uh, sexual confusion. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And, of course, there's a whole spirit world that is behind that. But the, the, the need of the local church is to be able to meet 
their spiritual needs, whatever they are. And there's so much that comes down my pike uh, as a pastor that I am woefully uh uh, incapable of, of, of meeting that need. And then also there's a practical side of there's just no go zones for preachers in their, their constituents or their congregation. You know, I don't want anything of intimacy sexually from females for sure. And not even really from males. And so, uh, preachers, uh, we pray for people like you to show up in our churches to help carry that load. So how did that kind of just start start unfolding for you, Deb? Well, it was the Lord, actually. Um, what happened was I was working as a nurse practitioner, and the one of the doctors I was working with, he was boarded in internal medicine and psychiatry, and so what we were seeing in the office and in facilities, because we'd go make rounds in facilities also, um, were a lot of psychiatric disorders, especially in the aging population. You know, as people age, they don't lose the, the luggage that they bring into old age. They bring it with them, and it just evolves into maybe a, another set of behavioral patterns. So that's where I, I learned uh, directly from him how to treat these types of disorders. And it was so, it, it, was, it, it moved me so much that I want to see, I have this vision of my patients just being whole and healthy and standing before the throne because of the power of the Holy Spirit and God. And I know that without God, we can do nothing. So I know that he just gave me a heart of compassion. He moved me to compassion to want to care for these people, these marginalized people, because we tend to shy away from people who have behaviors that aren't socially graceful or socially acceptable. But I want to tell, can I, I just, Pastor Duke, I just want to tell your listening audience, never be ashamed of the burdens that you're carrying. The only shame is that you don't avail yourself of the cross that is made, uh, of that Christ has made a way. Lay it down at the foot of the cross, and little by little, I can't tell you that it's going to be instantaneous, but I can tell you by picking up his mantle and the mantle of the Holy Spirit, you will have less issues and more of Christ than more issues and less of Christ. So it sounds to me like you're saying Jesus might just be the answer. <laughs> Yes, in, the, in everything. I just read before I came here, the demoniac of Gadara, mm. he, he was a mess. Of course, that was demon possession, but mm -hmm. I love, they found him clothed in his right mind mm -hmm. at the feet of Jesus. You know what? If, if we do that, no matter what the issue is, post-traumatic stress, mm -hmm. wh whatever it is that exactly. we're dealing with, and we, we get at the feet of Jesus that's where the power lies to fix us, to transform the, or the, I think the Bible uses the renewing of our mind and that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that's where the healing starts taking place. 
So being here in Florida, you're up to your neck in uh, the aging process. <laughs> Denny, jump in here. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting. One of the great challenges that we're seeing now, uh, we've been at the Tabernacle going on 13 years, is that we're seeing couples that when we came, they came at the same time. And one of the partners in, in that are, are starting to see Alzheimer's and dementia problems and I could tell you, we've seen what happens with, to the caregiver and uh, also all of what medicine does and doesn't do for, for the people with that situation. It is very complex. So I could tell you, because in many cases, when there's a, a husband and wife, I, Debbie will usually recruit me and I will sit in. It's a pretty complex question and uh, and medical science sometimes doesn't have all the answers. They may know how to, if you have a, something else, you have a temperature, you have this and that, but they don't know how to handle this. And it becomes overwhelming because that person now is not the person that they remember. And their relationship is, is, is pretty bad. So, and we've seen it even with some pastors and it's very, very difficult and um, my wife um, tries to sort things out. We try to give advice to, thank goodness, our business, her business, is, uh, is in nursing homes, assistant living and memory care. She's a, she's a medical director of one of the medical uh, communities here, a memory unit here. So we've, we've got some, some attachment to that, to that kind of uh, help. But it's very difficult. And I think, Pastor Duke, that's been a real challenge for us to see this deterioration of this generation. And, you know, again, I go back to the physical end. Was there anything they could have done yeah. during their time frame to make it better? And all too often, that's not the case. So um, it gives us the motivation, first of all, to do whatever we can to help them. And in many cases, they want to help. They know they need help, but they don't take the help. So it's difficult for us, but we're going to continue to try. And that, I think, is a, a big portion of our business. And it can also be socially isolating to the couple and to the one who's the caregiver. Uh, I did do some research. I wrote a paper on it about the, the role of the caregiver, the spouse, who does not have the disease process. And what happens is they get out of the role that they signed up for. They signed up to be a wife or a husband, and now they're asked to use a skill set that they really aren't prepared for or really doesn't have. They don't have that skill set. And it and becomes, the, emotional, yes, the emotional heartache exactly. in the midst of it. And you can lose the love for your, for your spouse, and you don't want that. You want to end well. We all want to end well. And what we try to do, Danny and I, is restore and return that caregiver back to their original role. Even if it's sons and daughters also, they don't know how to take care of mom or dad. They've never, that's not within their wheelhouse, so to speak. And they just want to be supportive and loving. And actually, that's what the spouse that has either dementia or Alzheimer's, that's what they need. They need that love and support, but it's lost because of 
the impatience that we become uh, with giving care and repetitive answers and these types of things, it's, it's very hard to deal with that. And so what we try to do is pull our resources that I have because of being out in the community and doing this type of work and help find things to help meet those needs so that the spouse can resume their regular role and get that love back. That love heals. That hand-holding heals. That just, and speak the word. You know, men, the Bible says that you're to wash your wives with the word. You know, how can you wash your wives with the word if you're not even taking care of her physically? You know, it's hard as a caregiver because you don't know where to start. And I get it. I get it. I've seen it. Wow. I'm overwhelmed listening, and it's exactly what I was I knew God was going to do in this podcast. And uh, this is up close and personal for a good part of our uh, listening audience. If not now, it's coming. And you know what's really, uh, Pastor, that really I think hurts is when, if it's a man, he, they will say, it's not my wife that I married. Well, everyone's going to go through a change. But it is. But it is. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's a matter of, of understanding, but, you know, you have to be patient, and it is very difficult. We have seen quite frankly, whereby one of the partners gets Alzheimer's or dementia and the caring person goes down before them because of the stress that's in it. And it is devastating to see. It's like a race. Who's going to go before the other one? So it is a real challenge. And I could tell you personally, uh, from even with my father, he had a doctor who was outstanding didn't know very much about the dementia and Alzheimer's and could not really couldn't even recommend anything. So it's very prevalent today that uh, this is a, a new area, but it's going to be a very, very vast area that all of us are going to have to face sometime in the future. Yeah. I have a brother in Ohio that was a behavioral specialist and he learned his trade tending bar. <laughs> okay. And he was recognized in the pu public school system in Ohio as being number one. And he didn't have the training, and yet he was fantastic. He had results. And um, he would say, uh, and I want to bounce this off of you and get your opinion on it. He said, especially, we also have a mother and a grandmother and an aunt who all went through Alzheimer's, the whole the whole gamma of it, and the anger and the cussing. My mom never cussed. She just loved Jesus so much. She never went through that stage. But um, he would say uh, to my mom when she was ministering to her mom, and my grandma would say something that, you know, don't let the rabbits in. <laughs> and, my bro and my mom would say, no, no mother, the, the rabbits aren't coming in. They're... And my brother would just say, mom, you just, you can't bring her back into your world. Yeah. You have to go into her world yes, and just let the rabbits do what the rabbits do. And I, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Cause well, we, we saw that with my, my dad, uh, my dad had dementia, probably Alzheimer's. Of course, back, this is in 99. They really couldn't put their finger on what was going on with him. But when I would visit him in the nursing home, he would have memories of, and he was in his eighties, late eighties, 
he'd have memories of when he was 12 years old. Absolute vivid memories uh, of what was happening in his world, what was happening, um, you know, and I would ask him questions. I would challenge him. I'd say, Dad, well, what kind of a day is it? Oh, it's, it's raining. It's been raining all day. And I go, well, tell me what's happening. And he would tell me a story graphically of what was going on. And here's the same man that I take him finally out for a ride, and I drive him by his house. And he has a sign out there that says, The De Maria's. And I say, Dad, who lives there? And he goes, I don't live there. So who's on the sign? And he looks and he says to me, oh, yeah, that is me. So it's a confusing time for that person, too, mm-hmm. to have such great memory of the past but almost no memory of what's happening right now. And that, to me, became really a challenge to be able to have to go back into his world and to really listen to that person. And I'm going to tell you, if you have someone that's facing that, give them time. Let them talk because they're going back vivid memories of what happened there might have been rabbits, Pastor Duke, you know, yeah. at some point in time. What you've just described, Denny, is what we use. It's called reminiscent therapy and research. There had to be a name for that. <laughs> it is. I, I, I know it. <laughs> Leave it to the expert here. <laughs> and it has worked so well yeah. that you just take picture books and let them walk through the pictures or enter into their world. I That's part of why I feel I can bond with my patients because I do enter into their world. You're right. They can no longer enter into ours. They, they really don't they would have if the they capacity. Could. Yeah, they would if they could, but they don't have the capacity. Mm-hmm. So, And it's not a sin no, to go into theirs. it is not. Yeah. In fact, what you're doing is you're actually helping them and blessing them. Some memories will be good. Some memories won't be so good, and you'll have to hold their hand and comfort them. But that's okay. That's I mean, the way we do things. I want to jump and in with an observation here. When I saw my mom uh, trying to drag her mom, my grandma, back into mm-hmm. our, our, my mom's world, and grandma got really frustrated mm-hmm. and angry yes. and, and even fearful. Yes. So pick and up on that a little bit. Sure, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's half of the battle with the spousal issues. They're looking to bring their spouse back into their world to, re, to reacquaint them with who they were. And that's, they're not coming back. Unfortunately, it is a progressive, progressive disorder. And there's, you know, different stages. And we all, the experts will, you know, not be a little bit divided on how many stages actually there's four classic stages but what is now agreed upon that is if you're diagnosed now you've already had that for uh at least uh five years that has gone so it's called the pre-dementia or pre-alzheimer stage now you say to yourself well how the heck can you diagnose something that you don't even know about well, that's, <laughs> that's that sticky wicket. It's, but you just make sure that reminiscent therapy and reminiscing and putting on music and, and different things like that that will help you enter into their world. If they can still move and get up, 
dance with them. Dance with them. Take them up, spin them around the room a little bit, you know? Why not? Yeah. Don't let them fall, but but I mean, just that, just that caring and that 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 touch, that bond. That touch is your bond. And what we tend to do as human beings is we tend not to touch them so much anymore. I think you just drug Jesus right into that right there. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus in us would respond exactly that way to somebody who's not where they used to be. We meet them where they are. We touch them where we are. I had a sweet moment. I'll throw it in. My mama was with uh, Alzheimer's, officially it was called, and she was declining, and her husband took great care of her, maybe longer than he, he should have. But she wound up in a home, and I would only see her once or twice a year because she lived in Ohio in New York, and I'd go back, and my sister would say, okay, Duke, here's what you're going to see to prepare me. And she said, Mom might not know you, Duke. And so I'm embracing myself for that. So I walk into the, the rest home. She's sitting alone at a table, kind of hunched over a little bit. And she sees bodily movements, me. And I, I just want, I, I said, Mom, it's me, Duke. She said, I have a son named Duke. And I said, yeah, I hear he's awesome. She goes, oh, no, he's not awesome. He's a nice boy, but he's not awesome. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my goodness. I, I just, uh, it was sweet. So, you know, instead of being terrorized by it and go into pity, and it is what it is. My mom had Jesus in her heart. She has everlasting Amen. life. She's in heaven looking down, and Amen. she's probably saying, yeah, tell him that, Duke, tell him that. Right. And, um, but you touched on something also, and that's what I want your listeners to recognize also, is that when we have Jesus inside of us, it doesn't matter what you see on the outside. It doesn't matter outwardly mentally, whether it's Alzheimer's, dementia, that spirit man inside is, the Bible says it's being renewed day by day. So what I recommend is speak the word into your loved one's lives. Speak that word, let them hear uh, praise and worship music especially when that was their life background yes if that's their life background most definitely and that will just that's the bonding that um and and christ will be in your midst where two or three two or three are gathered there he is in the midst you just struck a sweet sweet chord for me my mama was now towards the end this is like another year later, and I went, and she was clueless, and my sister said, sing to her, Duke. Mm-hmm. So I did, and I understand that's a different part of the brain. Yes, yes, very much so. And you would understand that more than myself. So I obeyed my sister, who is way smarter than me, and I got down on my knees, and I said, Mama, when I was a little boy, you sang that you taught me this song, and I sang, and she hadn't spoken now in, in six months. Mm-hmm. And I start singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And mm-hmm. she started singing with me. Mm-hmm. And as she did, there was a contact between her spirit and mine. She smiled, she cried. They were happy tears. Mm-hmm. We made contact. Yes. And I said, then, Mama, you taught me this prayer. And I prayed it with cadence. Our Father, which art in heaven. Mm-hmm. And she picked up and prayed it with me. And now I'm crying and she's crying. And we are hugging one another. Our hearts are hugging. Mm. And then I said, uh, or uh, when I was a little boy, you taught me, now I lay me down to sleep. And then when I became a big boy, you taught me the Our Father prayer. And I took her face and held it in my hands and held it up and said, Dear Jesus, take her home. And two weeks later, she was 
She was in heaven. I want to bounce this off of you also. The day before she died, she came back mentally. Mm-hmm. Yes. And my sister walked yes. in, and she and mom said, Kathy, I think it's time I tell you how awesome of a daughter you have been. You have been the perfect daughter. And wow. and my sister's crying, and they talked, yeah. and they had a lot to talk about. And she got on the phone. She called the, all, all the siblings, and I mm-hmm. called from New York. And it was like she was like normal. Mm-hmm. And she blessed us kind of like uh, uh, Joseph is dying in Egypt, mm-hmm. or Jacob's dying in Egypt, yes. giving word to his boys. Yes. Is that something that you see? Yes, there is one last rally a lot of Is that times. what they call it? A rally? Yes, one last rally. and I just got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen it, and it's beautiful, and the families are so grateful for that. <sighs> and don't miss out on that, you know? Sometimes, you know, we just, we might miss it. And I wouldn't want any family member to miss that, because that is a blessing, especially those who are of the family of Christ, that one last blessing to tell people how awesome the loved ones that they have, how awesome they are. I have an opinion about that rally. I I love that word. I had never heard it before. Medically, medicine tells me that's not possible, but reality, it happens. I I personally believe it's just the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. So I'm not the only crazy person in this room? No. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not at all. But it's it's beautiful. And life and and death in Christ can be very, very beautiful. You know, uh, people in the world, and I'm kind of taken back to something you said just a few moments ago about the marginal people of this world, and that can be in, in grade school, the marginal mm-hmm. kids, all, all Absolutely. through life. We, in our culture, kind of steer away from those people. Mm-hmm. But Jesus clearly oh. steered into those yes. people. Look at the leopard. I mean, he was willing to go up close and personal and touch the leopard. And even the leopard would say, oh, no, don't touch me. I'm unclean. And Jesus didn't care. <laughs> Love it. Jesus didn't care. There's, when, <sighs> how do I describe this? There is nothing unclean if you know the Lord and you're willing to have him release within you, you know, his spirit and reach out to those who need a touch and a healing touch, especially there's, you know, it's the bond. It's that Holy Spirit. That's that work of the Holy Spirit. That that part of the Trinity never gets that recognition a lot of times, but that's his job. That's what he's there for, the Holy Spirit. And it's a beautiful thing, and no one's really unclean. They're only unclean if they want to be unclean. They, If you want to separate yourself, then you, you will, you know. Yeah. Jesus didn't care about their uncleanness. He cared about their soul. You know, a lot of times I I just believe that we have to remind ourselves of our eternal future. Where are we going? I sometimes will say to my wife, I'm back living in the fraternity house again. And all of those, all of those who've lived in a fraternity house knew I'm living here now. This place is wild and willy. In the the world. In the world. No, (laughs) a fraternity house. It's wild and willy. 
and I ain't going to be here long. And then I'm going back home where it's normal and nice. And that's where we are in this world. The craziness that we're seeing, we have to remind ourselves we're set apart. We're set to do things and to be the light and salt of the world. It's a big task. But you know what? We got a big God. We got a huge God. We have a God that tells us every day, you walk with me. There's nothing we can't do together. We are in partnership. It says he's got us by our right hand. Doesn't get any better. I could tell you something right now. It it fortifies me. Um, I I work with Ranger kids. These are boys that are 11, 13 years old. These chaps, unfortunately, are going into a very, very tough world. You know, you thought the craziness of Woodstock was crazy. Well, this is... That was like going to an old age home compared to what these boys are going to be going through. And I tell them every, you know, every time I can, capsulated, you guys are in for some tough times. You need to be close to Christ. You need to commit to him now because understand you're going to be the warriors of the future and you're going to be dealing with things we never had to deal with. So again, I just think we have to look at that, our eternal, you know, this wonderful future the Lord has for us. Yeah. I am so blessed to be on the topic of dementia, Alzheimer's, because it, it is up close and personal for me. And I've many of my parishioners through the years uh, have, have suffered this. And uh, I like to think that I was there for them uh, and um, had great, great memories. And I love some of the official terminology that you use. <laughs> I'm getting edumacated here today listening, and I knew I would, but I want to kind of switch gears a little bit more to some of the other disorders. We're, we're living in an abused world, yes. uh, post-traumatic stress. Uh, just give us some thoughts about that and different things that cause it. And uh, man, it's thrown in the preachers, medical marijuana, because I've had people, military uh, females raped by their officers and threatened to lose everything if you tell. And it messed this girl up. She grew up in my church, a, a godly girl, and she got the only thing that really worked with her was mer- medical marijuana. And she's not out getting high like I used no. to on the street. And I was real nervous about that at first, but uh, I, I've come to accept that. And uh, it's not a party thing at all. And I know when I have kidney stones, give me morphine. I, I don't right. take morphine right. for exactly. just to enhance my Easter morning celebration. Right. But we, uh, we, talk to us about post-traumatic stress. I like that. Yes. And let me just let me just say something about medical marijuana. They're, they're still finding out more and more what the potentiality of it is. It is a drug that is, if used correctly, will have many benefits. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Does it mean that you can't get close to God? Absolutely not. Where well, does this, it say that in the Bible? This that gal, was, this gal was suffering guilt from it. She was right. getting help from it. And her husband's like, hey, you, you, it, it works for yeah. you. I love you. And yeah. he was an amazing guy, too. He right. just we need it. to We need to encourage people and, and you know, hold them up. There may be coming a time when people may not need that, but if they need it right then and there, that's the vehicle Christ is using for their healing, okay? We should never be ashamed of how Christ chooses to heal. Like I said, there's no, you know, we don't always see an instantaneous healing. 
but he will use the things around us to help heal. And then one day, you know, maybe we don't need that anymore. But never lose the fact that you are not, you are in Christ forever and that nothing can take you out of his hands. So let me touch base on post-traumatic stress. There's a lot of things that we are seeing today in our world and experiencing that have very detrimental effects on people, men and women. You can have one, one what we might call a seminal event and a seminal event is one isolated case that sets off a chain reaction of that type of um, issue emotionally. Or it can be little by little different stresses and, and constant, um, like a child who goes through verbal abuse um, has post-traumatic stress because of all the years that they've had that abuse They've suffered under that. So it, it all boils down to this. Two things. Number one, are you going to let that experience define you? If you say, no, I choose not to have that experience define you, then whose definition do you choose for yourself? Do you choose your own interpretation or do you choose as we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior to be defined by him? If you say, I want to be defined by him, then the process can begin and you can begin to walk out of it. God has a wonderful healing effect little by little inside of you you need to learn who he says you are who he's called you to be you see he's called you before the foundations of this world he knew what he had planned for you before the foundations of this world jeremiah 1 4 before i formed it in my mother's womb i called you i ordained you Keep on a roll, sister. You're, <laughs> I'm loving it. You're just oh. dragging all this Jesus Bible <laughs> stuff in. But it, it, you know, and those around you, and let me say, choose who you surround yourself with also. Do not, you're not called to surround yourself by those tormentors who did that to you. You're not called by those who are doubters to surround you. You don't have to surround yourself. You can choose to be surrounded by your brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember, Christ, they came to Christ and says, your mother and, and, and family are outside, Jesus. They want you to come out. And he turned to them and said, these, the people that he was preaching to, the people that he was talking to, these are my mother and my father and my brothers and my sisters. This is my family. So you can indeed choose your new family and surround yourself with people who are brothers and sisters in Christ who will help encourage you and edify you and speak into your life 
you choose not to have negativity spoken over you. You choose to have life. Zephaniah says the Lord sings over you. Ooh, yes. He sings over you. Only someone who is greatly loved will our Father sing over them. So let's look at that. Let's, let's hold on to that. And, and the past and the trauma will fade dimly eventually. I can't tell you when. I don't have that crystal ball. I don't profess that. But I know that the Lord will make you whole again. And he can set you on the course that you were meant to be. You see, the enemy, you know, he may, you may have an event in your life and the enemy is going to use it to get you off course. But if you choose not to let that event keep you from walking the path that you're called to walk, then you will indeed be living the life victoriously that Christ has for you. And I'm going to make another statement also. Um, these these children now who are trying to distort themselves somewhere along the line someone told them that the way they were wasn't good enough and so what they're trying to do now is mutilate and distort themselves and twist themselves into something that others will approve of now in the is it all right if i say in the trans community they are they are affirmed they're affirming a distorted version of who you were originally meant to be. They're saying good is evil and evil Evil's is good. good. And we were told prophetically that would be a sign of the end times. And we are here and people are suffering. They are suffering. Yeah, yes, you, you have a liberty there, sister. Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> they don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. You don't know who you are at four, five, six, seven, eight years old. You haven't, you know... You're living someone else's version of you or concept of you, and that shouldn't be. We should live the version, not who our, even our parents say, because parents, you're obligated to find out from the Lord what he has chosen for your children. That's the role of a parent. That's the role of a parent is to find out. God, like Samson's parents, said, God, we don't know how to raise this child. The wisdom will come from you. That's what your role is, to seek God's wisdom and to raise that child according to what God has equipped and spoken over and pressed into that child. And you're hitting so many fabulous biblical principles here. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. You know, I tell people God sends conviction to get us to do better and to strengthen us. Mm -hmm. Satan sends guilt to make us feel terrible while we're trying to do the right thing. You know, and you can and you should walk away from the enemy. Uh, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and uh, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but reprove them. And I remember coming out of the drug culture, I felt kind of guilty because I love these people, man, they're my brothers. But I also realized if I don't come out, I'm going to be brought back down. Mm -hmm. So I came out, got strong, and did what you just said, surround yourself with God's people. One evangelist said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the challenge that we're seeing today. And uh, it's an insidious situation, and it's getting worse and worse. And to be honest with you, 
you know, I, a lot of people are frightened of it. Um, we are concerned, the church, we're concerned particularly with the children. Uh, it, it becomes a real challenge, Pastor. Mm-hmm. And it's in our face because it's in their face growing up in this uh you know, I was in the sexual revolution in the, in the late sixties and early seventies. And you brought up what we stuck. all are. <laughs> We're products of that generation. And I just read a book a month ago, the best book I've read in 20 years by um, Jonathan Kahn, the return of the gods, little G. And he talked about the uh, revolution in Greenwich village, uh, the stone wall uh, tavern where oh, yes. the homosexual yes. uh, movement yes. went, came out of the closet mm-hmm. And really was, I would say, the birth of the woke movement Mm -hmm. and how that uh, it's brought back demonic influences in our culture. You know, the the cutting that children are doing today, that that's that's, bloodletting. That's that's what the prophets of Baal Baal. worship. We read about where Elijah confronted them. So all this ancient, historic, biblical, pagan stuff is it's all back. Correct. And these kids are, are clueless and the parents are clueless. And I think uh, there's demonic spirits behind Absolutely. a lot of this that we just opened up. We have to do a whole nother podcast on yes. that. But uh, <laughs> we got about the uh, children on these drugs that because the parents don't want to parent. It's easier to tell the mom and dad of little Johnny that he has ADHD and give him a pill than it is to actually parent Get him in Sunday school mm-hmm. would help. Get, mm-hmm. get him a daily devotional. Absolutely. Spend time with him at night in the right. Word of God. Set Sing boundaries. to him. Make him yep. feel the special person he really is, yes. fearfully and wonderfully made. Absolutely. Oh, you got me all pumped up here. Yeah. And I, w- I would say to grandparents and parents, mm-hmm. don't give up. Fight back. We have a right. Jesus has led the way. He never gave up. But you know what? There were some troubling times in his time, and there's troubling times now. We need to, knowledge is, I think, that important. You need to tell, if you're a grandfather or grandmother, tell your children, this is no good. Don't be afraid to speak out. If you're a parent, don't be afraid to go in and say, this is not for, for, for my child. And, and follow what Jesus, Jesus loved us. I mean, the creator of the universe and they're just finding out how big this universe is that hung the stars like a chandelier is the one that created us. And these people want to change us. That doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. I mean, we serve a big God, trust me, a huge God. And you know, he's, he's got this under control, but we have to be able to speak out and do. Yeah. We're salt and we're light. Amen. we got about two minutes. What's, what's firing on your heart now? Talk to pastors now. Oh. Pastors, I'm going to give you advice just like I would give anybody else. You're not going to be any good for anybody else unless you take care of yourself too. You have to set the example. You're the shepherd of the flock. You have to be the example. Pastors' wives have to be the example. You can... Show your congregations that you can stand up and take care of yourself and be the role model that they that this world needs you to be, that this world needs you to be. 
It's so important in these latter days uh, that we're in. It's not easy. Sometimes you're going to be, you know, the, the salmon swimming upstream, but that's okay. It's all right because you know what? When you swim up, upstream, there's a crown of glory waiting for you with Christ. So do what you're called to do. Preach that word. Don't be afraid. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Watch your health. Make sure. Men, you're the head of the house. You need an annual checkup. You need to hit those landmarks that you need to have uh, done because of uh, chronic illnesses and because of other disease processes. Get them before they're, they're, they take a foothold. Prevention is the best. If you don't want to go into old age, not being able to do anything, take care of yourself. Watch your diet, get your exercise, get your rest. And if you're stressed, go to the cross because that's the best stress reliever. Prayer changes things. So jump in. Final thoughts, Danny. Final thing. um, The Lord wants us to be healthy. And I really believe if you ask God, I want to serve you. I want to do my best for you. Show me the way. Show me the way. God will show you exactly what needs to be done. Remember, it's never a diet. Diet starts and the diet ends, but it's your health. Your health is important to your, your mate, to your congregation, to the people you, you talk Christ to. You need to be healthy. God's given you the health. What a gift. Just treasure it every day. Thank you for joining the podcast today. And you you hit some chords, man. It, it touched us. Uh, our people, I know a bunch of them are thinking, how can we get in touch with you? So how can they contact you? They can reach me by email at D-E-B-B-I-E-X-L-G-W at yahoo.com. That's Debbie, my name, Debbie, xlgw at yahoo.com. Uh, I've been a local church pastor, and I wish I'm. I wish I'd have run into you folks about forty years ago. I'd have put you work. You know, uh, Debbie. You know, you're working. Is it full time now? Yeah. Working full time, working on her doctoral dissertation, serving up to your neck in the local church, man. I think we might have to talk to you about sleep. I don't know, but you are you are nailing it. And uh, I, do get my, I do get my sleep. Okay, I don't know when you do it, but man, you guys are a blessing. Thanks for uh, jumping in with me here. This is going to encourage people. Challenge? Are you challenged, preachers? Oh my goodness, I'm going. I got all kinds of doctor's appointments waiting for me when I get home, and I'm, I'm going to be on them, and I'm going to do it with a good spirit. I, I go. I've been doing all this for years. I practice what you just preached, but now I got to learn to like it. You know and <laughs> You know my wife. She's on top of the, on top oh, yeah. of this, too. So, oh, yeah. hey, folks, thanks for tuning us in again. This is a bit different, but I, I know it was encouragement to you. Lord bless you. See you next time. Bye-bye for now.